We're here. We're here. We're going to, uh, we are worshiping God. I don't know about you, I've been worshiping God all week. Trying to, with all my heart, my soul, and all my resources. Uh, we're here together to remember his name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, I bet you weren't expecting to hear this this morning. Open to Second Chronicles. I was afraid if we would have said before, like, hey, guys, we're going to be in the book of Second Chronicles Sunday morning. It would have, you know, maybe it will be less people in here. I don't know. Or... <laughs> but um, before I say anything else, um, I want to give a couple shout-outs real quick. John and Kelsey got married, what, like three weeks ago? Congratulations! They're here. They've been part of our community. We want to lift them up, and congratulations to them. So, And then also, it's someone's birthday today. Carly Craft. Happy birthday to you. Just kidding. I'm not going to sing. That's your birthday present. Me not singing. This month, we are going to be focusing in on a topic of all in. Of all in. I don't know if you guys recall, but last year, some of our sermon series we did in tandem with the Lansing Church. Yeah. And we had a partnership with them, and there's a few churches doing that. We didn't do that all year, but we did it for some of the months. What's up? Sorry, I'm seeing people. Uh, anyways, <laughs> and, and, and so this year it is, is expanded. There's a large group, there's over 20, maybe even a couple dozen of small churches in our fellowship that have banded together to collaborate. And go through some sermon series together. And so we're doing it this month all in. All in. Um, I'm super excited for it. I'm super excited about today's message. I'm going to try really hard not to geek out too much. Because there's some cool, cool stuff. But, you know, got to save that for the Monday night group, yeah? If you don't know about that, come talk to me afterwards. But um, that video... I felt like was really key. We posted it on the Facebook page yesterday, but in case you didn't get to see it, I wanted to show it real quick. The idea of being all in together. Amen. All in together, working towards the same goal. And it's not our goal. It's the goal, uh, or rather maybe our purpose that God has given us. There we go. We can pray. There's the sermon, right? The whole month. Right. Now we need a little bit more, huh? And so what we do, we, we've been talking about uh, we've been asking God for a renewed vision. That's what we did all of last month, yeah? Yes. Yeah, and, and that was beyond Sunday morning. Um, again, I, I was praying for God to give me clear vision, renewed vision in my life, in, in my circles, in my household, in my community, everywhere. Yeah. And, and so as we are in that place, we've been in place of asking for that renewed vision and, and receiving some of that, looking at Scripture peeling our way, all those things that we've kind of packed on during that pandemic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Now what do we do with it? It's time to go all in together. All right. Those roles, those things we've been talking about, let's keep talking about it, but let's go all in on doing those things together, Amen. being those things together. Amen? Amen. We're going to be looking at examples of, of people that go all in. Today we're going to be looking at King Asa. So 2 Chronicles 14 is where you'll want to be. Look at Elisha, Solomon, Elijah. Those might be some people we look at as well. Not today, but maybe later this month. These are just some people that we see in Scripture who went all in at 
different points in their life. And we see uh, God's telling us something through their stories. Now, I do want to take a moment and deconstruct really quick this idea of all in. Because I realize, depending on your past, your history, what church you've been a part of, what your job has said, uh, whatever, all in can mean a lot of different things. That might have been misused against you, right? Like you're not being a team player. Has that ever been misused against you? Yeah, okay, that hurts a little bit maybe. All in could be like that. Let's, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are some really good things about being all in when we do it together, when we do it God's way. Yes? So, so I don't know where you are at right now or what that phrase means to you, but hopefully we can peel back those layers and look at being all in as God says. What we realize is about utter trust and commitment to God despite circumstances, despite what, even what we feel or think, trusting God through that. Can we dive into scripture? Let's talk about the practice of being all in. Today's uh, message is called The Secret to Success. This is like a great thumbnail for like a TikTok, isn't it? Like secret to success and you, trust me, we're going to talk about the secret to, uh, to success, success today, if I can say it. Second Chronicles 14, are you with me? Let's go. We're going to be reading the most of three chapters out of Second Chronicles. We're going, okay? So, so um, I'm not going to rush it though. Let's, let, this is the word of the Lord, yes? Here we go. In Abijah rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king. And in his days, the country was at peace for 10 years. That never happened in this time. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah. And the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah, since the land was at peace, and no one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he and He has given us rest on every side. Are you picking up on a motif or a pattern here? Something about rest or peace? So they built and prospered. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large spears, with large shields and spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and bows. These were all brave fighting men. Now Zerach, the Cushite, marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots. Really, that phrase, your Bible might say a million. That phrase, thousands upon thousands, just means a million, right? And came as, as far as they could, or, and came as far as Marisha. Shout out to my wife, Marissa. I don't know if she, she didn't know this. This is where her name comes from. Marisha is a Hebrew that is later transliterated into Marissa. I'm like, congrats, you're named after a place where there's a battle. And she's like, <laughs> she's like that? 
Yeah. Hear more at your uh, next marriage retreat from Ethan. <laughs> Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the, ba- in the valley of Sephathah near Merashah. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, listen to this prayer. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Don't let mere mortals prevail against you. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled. And Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they couldn't recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar because the terror of the Lord had fallen upon them. They looted all these villages since there was so much plunder there. They also attacked the camps and the herders and carried off droves of sheep and goats and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. All right. Can you geek out with me for one minute? Asa reigned probably 913 to 910 to a, probably about like 873 BC, roughly. Like, it's hard to come up with hard dates there. This is a long time ago. A long time ago, like 10th century BC. He reigned for 41 years. He was the fifth king in David's line. So he was David's great, great grandson. Okay, that's who King Asa is. If that helps you kind of, David, that biblical figure is fixed in your mind. This may be to connect dots. He was the third king of Judah. Before him was Rehoboam and then Abijah, and then Asa. And the text starts off right away saying he's described as what was doing what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. So whenever the Bible introduces someone in that way, it's a big deal. Like, pay attention <laughs> to what they do, because the Bible's trying to tell you something. He has a high rating as far as kings go in this time. So why? Why, why is he seen as good and right? He's, he's removing the places of idol worship that, that Judah had picked up on, right? They were copying the ways of the world around them, of lifestyles, of religion, of, of politics, of everything. So he starts to remove those things, right? To put it in terms we can understand, repentance, yes. That's where we can understand, getting those things out of our lives. So he's purging his land, his people from those things, removing, smashing Cutting down the Asherah poles, those are, those are poles where people worshipped uh, Asherah, the companion goddess of Baal. And I won't be too explicit into what that worship always entailed. We've talked about it a little bit before. Bad, bad. Yeah. Not good. Like, they won't even stream that on Netflix. <laughs> That's a big deal. Commanding people to seek and obey God's word. Interesting thing, you have to remind people to listen to God, but apparently they needed to hear that. Building up and seeking after God. Basically this, he called people back to God's kingdom, God's kingdom of peace, and away from them building up their own empire. Right? You feel that? What's the result of that? What does the text say? What was the result of doing all that? Peace for 10 years. Guys, that was unheard of. You study ancient history, really, you study history up to like the 20th century. <laughs> there's like, it, there's always war. 
your land, your country, wherever you're from, wherever time period, you're always at war for there to be any period of peace was like a party, like a celebration, right? There's a period of time where the, the, the empire of Rome achieved peace, forced peace, and it's called the Pax Romana. It's this period of peace. And why is that such a big deal? Because it was like almost impossible for there to be peace. That peace for 10 years. Because they had fought for peace? Because they made that happen? Because they followed God. Unlike today, oh, I just said that. 10 years into his reign, his faith was tested. He, he, they come up against the, uh, the uh, Kushites. Uh, the Ethiopians probably of like, uh, Egyptians and Ethiopians is probably what the army was made of. A million people. He had maybe at most 580,000. Some biblical interpreters think it, you can move the decimal over with the way Hebrew, ancient Hebrew numbers work. It's confusing. It might be even like 58,000. It could be very little. Basically, think of like Gideon's 300 versus the Midianites or kind of like David against Goliath or the Spartan 300 against Darius' million-man army. I'm just coming up with other references you got, yeah? Basically, that's the situation. So what does he do? This is where we talk about being all in. His response reveals what it means to be all in. First thing he does, he engages. Personal engagement. I'm not making it up. It's in the text. It says, Asa went out to meet him. He went out to meet Ra. He himself, in a time and place where it's totally okay for a king to send someone out, an emissary, someone else, the second in command, you go meet with this guy, he went out and met him himself. And he prayed. That mighty prayer, Lord, there's no one like you that can help powerless against the mighty. Help us, for we rely on you. In your name, we've come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Don't let mere mortals prevail against you. It's a short but powerful prayer. Yeah. Humility there. There's humility in this prayer. He admits that we're powerless. He says, we rely on you. We trust in you, God. In your name, not in the name of Judah or Asa, but in your name, Kind of, it's reminiscent of David and Goliath, because doesn't David say something like that before going up against Goliath? Don't let mortal man prevail. It's about God's interest and glory, not ours, not mankind's. This combination of personal action and courage coupled with prayer reveals what it means to be all in. God derives glory. He receives glory when we come to him with humility. When we're willing to credit God with ultimate victory in spite of our own strength and resources and what we can do. That's the secret. Boom. That's the secret to success. That's how you are all in. Oh, you don't think that sells anymore? Is that where people drop off the viewership online if we were to put this out on TikTok like, like I joked? Because who wants that? 
You want to be told the secret to success, you've got to completely humble yourself and you've got to get engaged. No. Who wants to be told that? Let's be real now, please. You want a, you want a secret. You want a hack, a shortcut. You want a fall guy, someone to pave the way for you, to do it for you. Convenience, comfort, consumption. As time passes on, somehow Asa forgets his own secret. We're going to keep looking at the principle being all in. Let's go to chapter 15. How are you guys doing? Okay, yes, right? This is amazing. God's word is incredible. And we're not going to read all of chapter 15, but we're going to read most of it here. The spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, Asa and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Does that sound like Jesus to you? <laughs> if you seek him, he will be found, for, found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. And going on to verse 7, but as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words in the prophet of Azariah, son of Oded the prophet, he took courage and he removed the detestable idols from the whole land, Judah and Benjamin. Go to verse 19, and what do we see as a result? You see it? There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. How many of us are chasing peace in our lives? <laughs> this is a lesson of lessons, right? Chapter 15, the words of Azariah are, are both, it's an encouragement and a warning. Success hinges on our seeking God and remaining wholehearted and dependent on him. When you're with him, he's with you. When you seek him, he'll be found by you. When you forsake him, he'll forsake you. We're rewarded with courage. We're rewarded for courage and perseverance. Kind of like there's this big idea in the Bible. I'm being sarcastic on purpose now. It's like there's this whole idea in the Bible that God wants to partner with us. He's like, I'm just, I'm, I, I want you to partner with me. This is a cooperation. Let's do this together. When you're with me, I'm with you. So let's do this. The question is, are you with me? Our relationship with God is dynamic. It can change. It's a real relationship. You get from exactly what you put in. You can't hide your intention from God. It's like seeking God is not just a one-time event or a single Bible study, but it's a lifestyle. And it doesn't end after you decide to become a disciple. That's just the beginning. That's initiation <laughs> right there. And I think an example of this, the, an obvious example in my mind was, is marriage. I mean, think about being all in for marriage. Think about not being all in for marriage. Yikes. It, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Imagine a marriage devoid of a dynamic relationship. Imagine, and we can all, we've seen the movies, we've been there, or we've seen people have been there. Imagine like that dating phase, the wooing, the infatuation, the poems, the serenades, the picnics, the holding hands. There's, there's nothing wrong. And then you get married, and then, <laughs> and then it stops. 
the seeking stops. Imagine that. Maybe, I mean, some, some people don't have to imagine it. Some of us have witnessed that. I'm just being real. That's a real thing. Seeking at first, but then you get married, and then, you know, just kind of, maybe you thought that momentum would carry you. All those cool things, those poems, those little dates. Maybe that momentum, it's just, it's, once you get married, it's just you push the ball downhill and it keeps going, right? There's no bumps. You never have to go back uphill again, right? It's just the momentum carries you. No! No way! You gotta keep seeking, you gotta keep striving that relationship. It's the same thing spiritually. Oh man, I went, you know, you study the Bible and you got all this momentum and, and you're seeking God and you get baptized and you're like, this momentum's gonna carry me on for the rest of my life. Like, weeks into it you get hit spiritually how far did that momentum carry you just in your work with God some of us maybe further than others but you know physics on earth physics are you guys thinking now <laughs> physics like just friction will stop things yeah yeah I don't know if any of that made sense The Bible often uses marriage as an allegory for our relationship with God. All throughout it, not just the New Testament, the Old Old Testament too. So much to the point where some people think the giving of the law with Moses was actually resembling like a a marriage ceremony. Is what they're learning. Like for real guys, like this is a, anyways. Let's go on to chapter 16. Something changes in Asa's heart. We see the penalty of not being all in. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. And so if you know anything about the history here at this point, there's a separation between Israel and Judah, right? They're separate. And it's almost as if, almost as if Israel is like, wow, how is Judah experiencing this peace right now? And it's almost like, we got to go stop them from having peace. <laughs> Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. And he says, let there be a treaty between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Bashar, king of Israel, so he'll withdraw from me. Ben-Hadad agreed with King Asa and sent his commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They conquered Ajan, Dan, um, Abel, Miam, and all the store cities of Nephtali. When Bashah heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Guys, it worked! Asa's little plan worked. It got the king of Israel to stop the siege against them. Right? I don't know, because there's more here. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah, and they carried away from Ramah the stones and timber Bashah had been using. With them, he built up Geba and Mitzpah. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand, escaped from your power. You don't have control over them anymore. Yeah, all that treasure you just gave them, what's that for now? They have it. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great number of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. 
For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I'm going to say that one more time. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose eyes are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing. And from now on, remember that peace motif? From now on, you will be at war. Asa was angry with the seer, yeah, because of this. He was so enraged that he puts this seer, this prophet, in prison. At the same time, Asa starts to brutally oppress some of his own people who are likely probably standing up for like, no, this is not how we do things, King Asa. This is not what you taught us, King Asa. I imagine. Starts to oppress some of his own people. And the chapter on Asa's life ends like this. It says, the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end, all written in the Kings of uh, Book of the Kings in Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut off for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a, a, a bier covered with spices and various the perfume, and they made a huge fire in his honor. They still honored him in the end. So what's going on here? What happened to Asa? That's my question. What happened to him in his heart? He was all in. And then just not? That's how it works. Like, one day you're all in, and then you go to bed, and then you wake up the next day, you're not all in. Right? It's that simple. Or there's someone you can blame. Or something you can blame, right? <laughs> now we're talking. So what triggered this war in, or invasion? It says that um, as he assembled, as Judah and Benjamin assembled people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Shimon, other tribes of Israel, some of those people started to come up and join Judah. So Asa's all-in attitude and consequent victory was attracting people from Israel to head south and join him. And in chapter 15, it's not just King Asa who's all in, but all of the people go all in. If you read that whole chapter, you see all of the people make a covenant with God, and they devote to them with all of their heart and with all of their soul. So it's, it's, it's more than expecting a person or a leader to be all in. It's the whole community to be all in. Yes? Bashar was trying to stop the flood of people from leaving his country. So he's trying to build up, okay, we got a lot of people that are children of the Cold War, so okay, Berlin Wall. There we go. Yeah, you get that reference, yeah? We're going to stop our people from leaving and going over there. It's, yeah. How did they respond this time? You guys know the Berlin Wall? Hold on a second. Does that reference make sense? Basically, it was a wall. I'm not going to go into the details. Don't worry. Stream, don't worry. It was a wall built in Germany, right, to keep people going from the east to the west, from, from communist, right, Germany to democratic Germany. Yeah, it was a wall built to keep people from leaving. Yeah. Right. How does Asa respond this time? Doesn't seem to think that's as big of a deal as it was with the Kushites in the past, right? Maybe because he knew them better. 
Maybe they weren't as scary because he knows them versus the unknown enemy of the Kushites. He doesn't personally engaged in the same way that he did. At least the text doesn't show us that. He doesn't even pray to God at all. The text totally does that. Nothing there. Does it say anything? Does Asa do anything to connect with God, to go to God, to trust in God? No, he just goes right in on his game plan. Right? Who's been there? Like, and, like, and like how many times this week? Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, you're faced with a situation, no matter how big or small, and you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And then, oh, I pray about it as an afterthought, if at all. Right? He doesn't go all in. He goes all in his way, and it leads to a certain place. It leads to not only consequences for him, but for his community. Instead of relying on action from God, he, he resorts to reliance on powerful money, his personal wisdom, politics of the day, people. These are all methods of human empire building. They are. They really are. He uses the money he won in war and, and, and treasures from his dad, and he gives it all away to, to Ben-Hadad, the, the other king, right? I was talking about this in, with, with Marissa. Call her Marishah now, right? <laughs> and, um, and she was like, hold on. Why didn't King Asa just give that to Bashah? I was like, what? She's like, yeah, isn't this an opportunity for him to make peace with Israel? And to build back God's kingdom of peace? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> seriously, that's a great question. Like, missed opportunity there, Asa. Imagine. But when we get stuck in our own way of thinking, we think there's one way to do things, right? Missed opportunity for peace, possibly. Asa seems to have forgotten the lesson from his 25 years ago. So his technique works. Works. And that's how things work, yeah? Human wisdom. They work for us for now. Right. It's all about the short term, baby. They work for us for now. We're not thinking about the road. We're not thinking about the next generation. It, it's working right now. If it ain't broke, okay, there it is. <laughs> Two things happen when we don't go all in for God. One, worldly fixes and hacks tend to push the problem down the road rather than bringing enduring success. Kick the can down the road. I really will. Okay. Worldly fixes and hacks tend to push the problem down the road rather than bringing enduring success. He wins a temporary victory, but it's not a real victory in the long run. Right? From that point on, they're going to be at war. The other thing is self-reliance starts a domino effect of sin. He got mad at the correction, right, from Hananiah. Or, excuse me, from Han and I. He tried to put the truth in a dungeon. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You're like, you're exposed to the truth, and you're like, yep, we're just going to put this on here. Yeah. Ugh, like, not look at it. Nobody can see it. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, you've been there. Okay, I'm not even going to ask you. You've been there. He oppressed people who opposed him. He carried his self-reliance into his private life in dealing with gout. I don't know, like... Athlete's foot? I don't know. But it went so, that's the whole point. And the text, the, the 
The writer literally had to write down, even with a foot disease, he still wouldn't ask God for help. That's how far gone King Asa was from trusting God, right? Asa was a good man, and overall, he was a good king. Overall, if we look at his narrative, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all of his life, is what it says in 15, verse 7. Unfortunately, he stumbles at the end of his life. Big time, (laughs) we might add. An example I reluctantly point to is Peyton Manning. (laughs) Peyton Manning, best quarterback all time. Not a joke. (laughs) We can talk after service. (laughs) Hall of Fame quarterback. Can we say Hall of Fame quarterback? Hall of Fame quarterback. How'd those uh, last couple Super Bowls go for him? I'm a Denver fan, so it hurts. When, and it hurts. I went and looked up the stats. Mistake. That was, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. Need some counsel after that, right? In, in, his, in, the, in those Super Bowl performances, he averaged a 77 uh, quarterback rating. Is that Hall of Fame worthy? Only threw for three touchdowns between, was it two, 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 two Super Bowls? That's not a lot in two games. 66% completion rating and five interceptions. And if you were a Denver fan at that time, you're like, how is this, how is this happening? How, is this, how are we winning? Not good. Not a great end to a career. But look at his legacy, right? We see what it looks like for someone who is all in in the sport. Okay, I'm just, I don't know if that was a helpful analogy for anybody, but let's move on. <laughs> this happens, let's, let's, we're going to bring it to an ending here. We're, we're going to get really real now, okay? Okay, happy birthday. <laughs> this happens, obviously, in individuals as well as communities, churches. We start out reliant on, actually, guys, this is church history right here. Go look, go look at church history in the pattern. It's like, let's repeat. Start out super faithful, reliant on God, incredible things happening. End up starting to seek success by other means. We want success, but we're not willing to do it in a way that brings glory to God. Because honestly, it's a little harder. It's as attractive, right? We start defining success in our own way. I think we do this individually personal goals, personal projects, health, health issues we face. Like, I can relate to that. I'm sure some of you guys can too. Life decisions, how we live, facing crises, financial setbacks. But I think there's a lot of things that kind of underline our culture abroad here in America, in ways we typically face things, this rugged individualism right. that is not from God. It's not biblical. No matter the... The, the, the twisting of scriptures we get, the verse of the day, the bumper stickers, or whatever it is. John Wayne. Who said John Wayne? All right, sorry. There's a book about that, but anyways. It's called Jesus and John Wayne. Okay, plug. <laughs> Treating symptoms instead of going to the core issue. We do that a lot in our, in our lives. Doing what's best for mine not necessarily considering the community or people in me. Pursuing the American dream versus pursuing the Sermon on the Mount. Can we talk about that yeah. for a little bit? Yeah. We should. 
Look at how God feels with, about that approach to success. It says here in Scripture, when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing, and from now you'll be at war. Where are you at in life right now? Are you at peace? Are you at war? With yourself? With people around you? And how are you dealing with that? How are you seeking God? Are you seeking God in that? Are you seeking God with maybe your lips or your mind, but maybe your feet aren't following, you know? And that's really real. And we all, we all are there at some point. I'm not trying to guilt nobody. I'm the worst of those, right? But you have to be real with you. God's actively, Scripture says, God is actively looking, searching, ranging the whole planet to spot people who are all in for him. A fully committed heart is something God esteems of all else. He doesn't care about your resume. He doesn't care about your qualifications, your SAT score. I don't know, whatever, whatever metrics we love to boast about. Numbers, your nest egg. I don't know. Whatever it is for you, God doesn't care. What God cares about is your heart and your heart being wholly committed to him. When his eyes stop and rest on you, what does he see? Sombering? A little bit? We ought to think about this. We, ha we have to. We have to. If we are a community that is all in, we have to think about this. Not once, not just today, not just when we study the Bible with someone. Every day. Every day. So this month, let's decide that we're going to be going all in for God. Yeah? Amen. What are the next steps for us? Here's the next steps. As you will deal with some trials and crises in your life this week, I'm sure you will. If you don't call me, I want to spend more time around you because I will rub off, right? <laughs> but as you approach those situations in your life, take those as opportunities. Remember, was it 2020? We really focused on make the most of every, every opportunity. Let us make the most of every opportunity in these challenges, to take personal action, to, to personally engage. Engage with the equipment we've received. Go back and look at notes. Go back, go back and look at previous workshops, where we've been as a community. Remember when we had our workshop and we had the list of like, this is, these are things we've talked about and done together? How many of you, I'm, this is me, like, that's a lot. I forgot about that, 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 that. Just me, cool. But I need to go back and look at those things. Engage with the equipment you've received and, 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 and be empowered by doing it with somebody. If you get in a situation, your heart's not right. Or maybe it's not even to do with your heart. You're just faced with a trial. Who says you got to deal with it alone? Actually, Scripture is pretty explicit in saying get people around you. Get other mature Christians around you that can lift you up. 
support you, pray for you, be there with you. Even if you're dealing with stuff in your life, you don't got to fix their problems. Just be near them. You don't even got to say anything. Bring over some food. Bring over some Taco Bell. Sit down and watch the game with them. This is oddly specific, but if you see me looking down, that's what I want, right? <laughs> pray, for, pray to God for deliverance. I've fallen in love with the Lord's Prayer. I grew up in a religious context where you just said it mindlessly over and over, and it meant little to nothing to me. But I've dedicated myself to praying the Lord's Prayer a lot. God, you deliver us from evil. That's the last line, right? God, I trust in your sense of justice over mine. I trust in you as a deliverer. I can't deliver Jack. Pray these words multiple times. See what happens to your heart. You get into situations, you're like, mm, I'm mad at somebody, someone said something, or I witnessed something. God, help me to trust in your system of justice. Help me trust in you. Okay, all right, sorry. Does that make sense? Pray to God for deliverance before you run to your own methods of delivering self. Repent on your reliance of the broken reeds of the world. Money, human wisdom, politics, people. Should we get more specific? Okay. Like, I don't know where you're at. I'm at a point in my life, I'm turning 30, and I have, like, no retirement, and I'm freaking out. I'm really hoping that Ren and my still like us when they're older so they can take care of us. <laughs> like, that's our plan. Marissa and I are already like, we're going to live in a van. No. And we know it's cool right now, but we know it won't be cool again in the future. So we'll be those people, right? And we're going to rely on our kids to take, you know what I mean? So, but for me, I'm, I'm, I feel myself that pull of like, okay, well, where are you going to invest? How are you going to make this? You got to get your hustle on. Gary V videos keep popping up on YouTube. I don't know if you know who he is. You do. And I'm like, I'm getting bombarded with these it's worldly messaging end of the day it is but we as humans we're so we're so ready to absorb those things aren't we human wisdom that kind of goes along with that your number one influencer second question who is your number one influencer really okay Again, I'll just talk about myself here. It's interesting how much you start to watch or listen to someone or a group of people and you become just like them. That can be a really good thing. I mean, that's how communities can be built, right? But that can also be a really bad thing. I noticed myself listening to this podcast, I won't say it, but for a long time, and it had good stuff on there, but it was a lot of worldly wisdom. And I noticed myself like starting to mimic the mannerisms of how this person spoke and how they approached situations. I'm like, this isn't me, though. This isn't how God made me. So maybe that's an overshare. I don't know if you can relate, but that's a tendency we have. Politics, come on. What's the Bible got? I think the Bible has plenty to say about how we should treat one another. Do we go here? Do we need to add more? Let's make a decision to go all in. I want to read a passage about Jesus, and I believe, we believe, Jesus is someone we can look at who totally laid his life out for people, totally rejected the world's wisdom 
no matter the cost, despite the circumstances, despite who hated him, family members left him, his best friends abandoned him in his hour of need, he still trusted in God above everything else. Come with me to excuse me, Philippians 2. You already know what it is, don't you? We're going to focus our hearts together as we take communion together in this time. So if there's any, this is chapter 2, any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by having the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest. I mean, come on, this isn't sounding like Second Chronicles. <laughs> but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, this community here, this group of people here, people down the hall, the people in the stream. We ask you, God, as you've given us your vision, as you've shown us what is good, and how we ought to be, and who we are. We ask you, God, for your help in being all in for you. We are powerless, God. Who are we? God, with everything that we, that the human resources and strength that we do have, God, help us to honor you with those things. Help us to trust in you. We trust in what you can do above all else. Help us to take on the heart of Jesus. And as we remember him in this time, as we, as we take that bread, as we drink that fruit of the vine, we remember the person of Jesus and how he was all in for you, God. Show us, God. Empower us, God. Be with us, God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.